Welcome to the Messy Middle podcast and radio show presented by Mother and Founder Co. Each month, guests are invited to share their version of the messy middle and the lessons they've learned along the way. Whether you're in the messiness of growing a business, healing from trauma, or navigating the wild world of parenting, this show is a must. We are excited to celebrate the messiness of life and business with you. And now, let's settle in as host Jen Burwell connects us with today's guests. Hello, and welcome back. I am so excited for this episode of The Messy Middle. We have two amazing women that I know you're going to fall in love with in just a few minutes. We have Mary Foran. Forehand, Foran. You got it right the first time. I did. Really, I don't use my last name a whole lot. A I know, lot I of people never... use me as, know me as Mary Francis. So go, you can go with that. Okay, good. Thank you. It's Sorry. a middle name thing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I've ever heard your middle name or your last name, but um, CEO of Girls Mentorship and Jill Peterson, CPO of Girls Mentorship. So welcome, ladies. I am so excited to have you. And I hope you um, have buckled in because today I am feeling real and raw and I would like to have a really real conversation. So we're we're here. We're here for that. (laughs) Good. And you're here for me. So I, I appreciate that. So I always like to start the show with just a little bit of background and we'll dig in a little bit, but just tell, tell the audience who you are, where you come from, how'd you get here in just a few minutes. A little bit about Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'll start. Sure. My name is Mary Francis. Um, (laughs) I'm hailing from Omaha, Nebraska. I was raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which is a fun piece of our story because Mm -hmm. we're both from Colorado, though we both met in Arizona. There's a lot there. I'm a previous gym owner. I worked with Jill at Lululemon. That's how we met. Over quarantine, we had the immense pleasure of spending a lot of time together. (laughs) Maybe several bottles of champagne later, we came up with this idea of girls' mentorship. (laughs) And now we're sitting here with you. That is amazing. I feel like you did fast forward through a lot of parts. I did, which we'll we'll get into. We can always go back. We can. Absolutely. But I I love that. I love that, you know, coming together where, you know, so many people we were feeling disconnected. You guys came together through the pandemic and created something really powerful, which I'm really excited to talk about that too today. Yeah. All right, Jill, tell us about you. Oh, where do I begin? (laughs) Well, in 1986, I was born. I'm born and raised from Colorado, um, a small Small town called Pueblo. So a lot of people are like, why would you leave Colorado? I'm like, well, I grew up kind of like in New Mexico. And I always growing up knew that I had more in me. I was definitely a big fish in a little pond. So of course, my best friend in high school invited me to come to Arizona because she was checking out Arizona State University. So Mm -hmm. as a junior in high school, We had plans to come to Arizona for spring break, and never in a million years did I ever have Arizona on my radar, but I remember stepping off the plane and getting hit with, like, the hot heat wave, the oven, (laughs) the oven, and I just, in that moment, felt like I belonged. I'm Hmm. like, this is my place. So came here um, when I was 17, and I haven't left, so went to ASU got married shortly after I graduated, met who, which is funny because, I mean, Mary and I have stories upon stories about relationships and boys. And I think that's why we make really good mentors for girls because we 
Oh my goodness. We can go on and on. It may have been a little buck wild. (laughs) (laughs) So my husband is from here and now we're, we're rooted here. I have Mm. two kids. I'm a mom of two boys Mm. and yeah, the story of, yeah, the story of me really feels like it started here in Arizona. And now, I mean, it's very cool to now say that Mary and I have started something so beautiful and, um, the connection of the two of us. I mean, when we kind of piece our stories together, just like the little nuances, like that Mm -hmm. she's from Colorado, I'm from Colorado. It it was all meant to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was explaining who you guys were to somebody the other day and I was like, well, yes, they're two people, but really they're like one person <laughs> like Siamese we molded into, into one person. And that like that just the connection that the two of you have and the energy I was watching you watch you guys speak on many occasions and just the way that you guys play off of each other. I know you spend a tremendous amount of time together, but just like that energy, like you really do complement each other and so take me back to like when you guys first met and like how, was it like instantaneously like you guys knew you? Were... No, no. Yeah. It's not like I disliked her. She disliked me, but she um, was... <laughs> I hope not. I was her boss. She was my oh. boss at Lululemon. So she was a regional manager at Lululemon and came back to the store level. Yeah. So um, the Scottsdale Quarter, Lululemon, shout out to our OG team. She had just come back to manage that store and they had just moved into a big new storefront. So it was kind of a big undertaking. And it was 2016, I believe. I was coming on for a seasonal position because I owned a CrossFit gym at the time. Mm. So I needed just a little something else to do with my time and to make a few extra dollars, Mm -hmm. maybe pad my wardrobe with some, you know, um, appropriate clothing for the gym. (laughs) Yeah. And their interview process is long. (laughs) (laughs) Jill was my final interview after I think like three other interviews. So they take it serious. And the funny part is I... (laughs) This is literally the best part. Um, we're, we're sitting down at the quarter and she's asking me questions and right past my line of view, right behind me, an old lady falls down the stairs. Yes. Oh no. And mid question, I just jump up out of my chair and I run over to this lady and I help her up and she's super embarrassed and doesn't want my help. And Jill is right on my heels. And I look at Jill after this lady <laughs> dusts herself off and, you know, walks away and I go, did you plant that? <laughs> I was like, uh, this was, was that Ashton Kutcher? Was part, this was part of the test to hire are you. Are you a good person no matter what? <laughs> Did you stay seated or not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I think the bond was formed, obviously, through that. I respected her hugely as my boss because yeah. that's hard to run a store of... Mm-hmm in upwards of 70, 80 people and have it flow. And yeah, we got to know one another through that. Mm. I think where we really connected was when Jill actually left Lululemon. Yeah. So well, you you take that part of the story I'm, away. I'm happy to jump in because I loved what I did. There was something on my heart, though, that I knew that I was called to do more. And I just wasn't sure what that more was, but I kept putting myself in like women's conferences Mm -hmm. and I was doing all of these things and something kept like that little whisper was like, like, Hey, Mm -hmm. I think it's time for you. Even though I loved my team, I loved my job. Mm -hmm. I loved what I was doing. There was no unhappiness. And I remember I went to an event with Mary and she was actually speaking on a panel and our, our girlfriend was the one who was throwing it. 
And I just remember being so inspired in that setting Mm -hmm. that I looked at, there was about five people who came from the store to this event. And I looked at all of them and I was like, I'm quitting by the end of the year. And all of them were like, what? You know, like I wore the identity of store manager and Lululemon so proudly that Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone would have ever seen that coming. Yeah. So to kind of make a very bold um, statement like that, people were like, no way. Is she serious? Mm -hmm. And come to find out, I really, from there, I was like, well, shoot, it's out out there. And everyone was supportive. My boss, mm-hmm. like we did an exit strategy and my team was on board and and then I left. But I also felt like I left a, a piece of me that was so much built at, at Lululemon. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't have community anymore. And I would go and have, you know, coffee with girlfriends that still worked there, but I had nothing. I mean, what was I going to talk about? Like, I don't, I'm not running a team anymore. I don't know your problems of that customer calling into corporate. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it was just like, well, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing now. And I was looking for that community. Mm -hmm. So the nice thing about Mary was I had no idea that she was plugged in to a different community, one that I was searching for. Mm -hmm. So sure enough, she was like always staying in contact with me, asking me to come to these things. And she literally was the one person who reached her hand back and said, hey, come with me because I want to show you what else is out there outside of your 10-year Lululemon bubble? Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful because, again, that's still like a piece of our story, which is really, really cool, is that she saw that in me. And she also was kind of exploring what was next for her. So to be able to build what was next in Mm -hmm. our careers together meant so much to me. That's so awesome. It's it's interesting. I don't know if interesting is the right word, but like how people show up when you need them in different places, right? So you created that space, you closed that door. When you said like, I'm quitting, did you talk to anyone before you made that statement or just kind of no, came out? It, I didn't talk like, to my oh, husband. <laughs> it was September 19th, 2017. Literally, she looked at us in this little group that we were sharing and she goes, this will be my last holiday. And we were like, really? Cool. (laughs) What? What? Yeah. 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 So I didn't tell anybody. It was literally just something that Mm -hmm. in that moment, and I've done this before a couple of times in my life, which is funny that like my intuition was, I mean, Mm -hmm. roaring, like just lean in, say it, speak it into existence. So like you can really start manifesting it. I love that so much. So I relate to that on, on many levels. One of the levels is same thing happened to me as I just kept having this whisper in the back of my mind that, that that there was something more, something different. And so I left Mac 6 where we broadcast out of last year. And it wasn't necessarily because anything was wrong. I just had this, like, I loved what I did. I love this community. I'm here a lot still. I'm connected with everybody, but I just felt like I needed to do something different. And so the day I did talk to my husband first before I made this <laughs> You're so declaration, good. You're so but good. I had to like put it out there. And then there was a long transition. They're still one of my clients. So transition still in progress, but, but this just drawing that line there. Um, and one of that, your story made me think of a time where I really trusted my intuition. I think that's um, something that everyone can really tap into. And really, once you build confidence and you do it more and more, you get, it gets stronger and stronger. But <laughs> this is a deep, dark story, but not a dark story, but like back in the archives. But 
Um, I was engaged when I was young. I was like 20, oh gosh, like 23, 24. In my humble opinion, and for me, I was I had no business being engaged, but somehow we ended up there. And to the point where I bought a house, but he lived there as well. Um, so I'm a homeowner. I'm just out of college. I don't really know what I'm doing. We live in Queen Creek and I work in Fountain Hills. So I'm making that oh commute my gosh. Yeah. to a design Whoa. studio every day. There was only one road at that time. It was crazy. And, you know, he was my college boyfriend and I cared for him deeply. And I woke up on July 4th with no prior warning, like nothing. There was no fight. There was no argument. And I sat up and I said, I think this is done. We're over. It's Independence Day. And I had clearly to needed your independence. <laughs> right. I think there was a country song. Like, there really was. Yeah. I was in Queen Creek. Martina McBride. There was a country the song. Martina. But I never looked back. Like I just, and it was in that moment that my intuition told me, I don't know that I recommend this for everybody, but I was like roaring. Like I, there was nothing right? I could do. Yes. Right. That was the point of my story. A hundred percent. Like nothing you can uh, do. Exactly. There wasn't. And I knew when I made that just I felt like I blurted it out. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what did I say? Mm -hmm. There was no prior warning besides me being like, I'm really good at some things, Mm -hmm. you know, like I have this skill set. So it's interesting, just Mm -hmm. like timing. Right. Timing. And those critical decisions, if we decide to listen to them, can change the course of our life. Absolutely. It's that gut feeling, right? It's not just hunger. You're Mm -hmm. you're not just (laughs) needing to eat lunch. It's something you should probably tune into. Well, and I think like that's, I mean, this is something that we teach our girls too, Mm -hmm. is like your comfort zones. There's three Mm -hmm. different levels of comfort and that like the comfort, there's one called comfort zone. The next one is risk. Um, like your risk zone, and then that the, the outer piece is reckless. Mm-hmm. So we're, that risk zone is the one that could be, it could be really positive, it could be negative. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we stay stuck because we don't want to kind of cross the line of fear or mm-hmm. of like the unknown because it's too scary. Right. And then you you play safe a lot of times. And then you wake up 20 years later wondering, well, I didn't even love him 20 years ago. And now I'm married to the guy. I have all these kids and all the things. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was, I always think back to that when I do get to the fear. And, it, and for me, it's when I'm listening to myself and there's not a lot of thinking going on, right? This isn't a thinking process always. Um, to really just know that to trust myself. And I go back to that experience like that I survived, right? I lived. It was, if I would go back, I'd probably do it a little bit nicer and a little different things. But but I survived. He survived. We're both better for it. And now, however many years ago, we're able to come together and acknowledge that like that was a good choice for both of us. So so here's a question that I get asked a lot and I'm interested in your guys' perspective is it's not a real secret that I came from a very dysfunctional childhood. It was overcame a lot of different things. And you could, too? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you might know where I'm going with this. Yeah. So the, the question that I get now is, oh my gosh, if they hear any piece of my story, you're so normal. Like how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And so the point of this podcast is to have real conversations, to know that like this isn't just the glossy pictures and the um, social media feeds that you see. Like life happens mm-hmm. and it can be beautiful and it can be messy and it can be hard, but we can choose to show up how we want every single day. But it's like giving people those tools and like how did we do that? So for either of you, how 
did you get to where you are today, given things that you've had to overcome in your past? And feel free to share as little or as much as you want, but just think about the tools that kind of helped you along your journey. Kind of what Jill shared around like that voice, that still small voice that's like, you're meant for more. Mm -hmm. You're meant for more. I am not a complacent person. Mm -hmm. I do not settle. I get really restless pretty easily. So I think that is something that's played into my story a lot because something that we train on or are able to train on is what's called ACEs. Mm -hmm. So adverse childhood experiences, right? And there's eight of those. It's a parent was incarcerated. There's drugs, there's alcohol, there was a death, there's divorce, um, abuse, abuse, mental illness in Mm -hmm. your family. And I think um, I rack up a grand total of all eight, Mm -hmm. which is cool. I I won that (laughs) score. But basically, if the more you have, the further and further you are behind the eight ball, the more likely you are to end up in that way, either incarcerated or with a drug issue, you know, unemployable, all of those stats, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I did overcome that. And that's really cool. I'm super proud of myself. But how I did it didn't seem any different than Mm -hmm. how I would normally live my life, Mm -hmm. right? It's that piece of constantly wanting to strive for more. I think my parents were such great examples for me of two people that I desperately didn't want to be. Mm -hmm. So that's not to say that there's anything wrong with my mom or wrong with my dad, Mm -hmm. but they gave me examples of uh, ways of being that I never wanted to be Mm -hmm. realistically. So it's like seeing them as my example and running the complete opposite direction was how I think I overcame, right? And that's not to say I didn't massively um, fuck up there a ton in the middle, right? Yeah. So we're talking about that messy piece. I didn't know that I got in my own way. I didn't know that I had a victim mentality. I didn't know that I was the one who was constantly screwing up my life, right? It's that Scooby-Doo episode where they take the mask off and it's like, oh, it's you. I took the mask off and it was me. It was like the mirror, right? It was like, oh, you've been the one messing up this entire time. So I think somewhere in my mid-20s, it was that like sheer panic of, holy shit, this was, I did this. Mm -hmm. Personal responsibility 101. Yeah. You have to take responsibility for every decision in your life, where you got to, how you got there, why you're there. That's on you. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, there's certain circumstances as to why somebody did something or something happened, Mm -hmm. but you have control over your attitude and your effort in those situations. Mm -hmm. And it was something like a light bulb moment that went off for me that said, I want more for myself. Mm -hmm. I need better for myself. And if I want to continue to go in the opposite direction of how I was raised, I'm going to have to put the work in. And that's not easy. And I think that's what a lot of people shy away from Mm -hmm. and why the cycle continues. Mm -hmm. Generational curses aren't broken because when you look in that mirror and you see the mountain of work that you have to do in order to Mm -hmm. overcome it, it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go take a nap. (laughs) This seems easier in the moment than actually facing the shit Mm -hmm. because it's a lot. It can be really confronting. You might have to go to therapy. You might have to spend a lot of money on your mental health, Mm -hmm. but man, it's worth it. What's on the other side of that mountain is probably another mountain, but you're better equipped to climb that sucker after going through the initial like overhaul phase Mm -hmm. of, holy moly, I had to get rid Mm -hmm. of the girl who was sabotaging me in order to be the girl who was ready to take on the next peak and the next peak and the next peak. Yeah. So I don't know if that was super specific, but to me, like it was just not settling. I could not settle. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see myself in that 
relationship where maybe there was abuse because that's what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see just being, you know, scared and timid my whole life because that's how my mom wound up being. And it was like, no, there's a big bad world out there for me and I'm I'm mm-hmm. ready to to take it on. That's awesome. I love all of that. And I love the point of like, sometimes people, even clients that I work with, they, they think that once they summit that peak, then it's like smooth sailing. And I've arrived. I'm, I'm done. I've checked that <laughs> box. I was even talking to someone the other day where I was like, no, I don't want to learn any more lessons. Like I've learned some hard ones, check those boxes. Thank you universe. I'm done. And that's just <laughs> not how it works. And so I think having that mentality of just not settling and coming to like that vision of what you want for your life which that's a really great segue into the work that you guys do. So tell me a little bit more about girls mentorship and and what you do. And um, do you accept 38 year olds? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and it's funny that you bring that up. Like people don't want any more lessons, but what do people pray for? They pray for strength and patience and courage and, you know, um, ways, purpose, ways to freedom. make a difference, freedom. Mm-hmm. Jill and I separately and alike have prayed for this business. Mm. on multiple occasions. Did we know what form it was going to come in? No, but all of life's lessons to this point Mm -hmm. have led us to this work in such a beautiful, poignant way that it was like, I prayed for this. Mm -hmm. This is what I wanted. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I was praying for it. So it's like, you know, people pray for strength. It's going to be delivered in the form of a kettlebell mm-hmm. or a gym membership, right? There's adversity there that goes along with it. Are you sure? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty positive, right? I, I pray for patience and my mom comes and stays with me for a week. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, Jill, this business, what do we do? What do we get yeah. to do? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think what's really cool is Mary and I over quarantine. So when I left Lululemon... I wanted to serve moms. I was a new mom at the time, but I heard often from mothers that they were so overwhelmed. They were struggling with their identity. Mm -hmm. They didn't know who they are anymore. And I sat back and I was like, but, but I do, I'm a mom. And, but what I had was a tool belt. Mm -hmm. I was armed with tools that I had learned over the last 10 years of working on myself. Mm -hmm. So that set me out on a journey to serve moms. So I would speak to moms. I would run workshops for moms. I'm a yoga instructor. So Mm -hmm. I would teach yoga classes and incorporate my message through that. Mm -hmm. So through that, moms were like, this is awesome. I'm feeling so much better. Can you do this work for girls like my daughters? Mm -hmm. And at the time I was like, no. Oh my gosh. I, I'm better with adults. Mm -hmm. Even though I had my little ones at home, I'm like, no way. I don't feel like I'm equipped to take that on. However, I was at a point in my career that I was like, well, I'm just going to say yes. I'm going to say yes to see where this leads me. So I started then taking on teams, like teams of girls. So dancers, gymnasts, golfers, basketball players, soccer players, like teams where I would come in and really be kind of their mental performance coach. Hmm. So it was like, cool, you guys are going to work on your skills. I'm going to help you on the mindset. And then of course the pandemic hits. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing was happening. (laughs) So that's why I invited Mary over and I said, I need help leading something online to support girls in whatever it is this is, which was the pandemic. Mm -hmm. They can't see their friends. Their sports are at a halt. No one's going to school. So it was after leading Camp Social that we, after four weeks of doing it together, 
we looked at each other and we were astounded. We were honestly blown away by who the girls were, how they showed up the very first call to how they ended the call four weeks later, transformed. Mm -hmm. And not in like a, you know, like they're going to go and be the most confident girl. Our hope was that they at least now had a new conversation to have with themselves Mm -hmm. to go and deal with their parents and their friends, et cetera. So we, that's when we looked at each other and we were like, we have something here. This is how it's, uh, we we can't just now walk away mm-hmm. and be like, well, <laughs> that was cool. Um, that was fun. Let's that go was, drink some more. <laughs> let's go drink some more champagne. <laughs> so that was really kind of how it started. We put something out on social media saying, hey, we're starting this thing and we want you to, to be a part of the journey. And really from that moment, that was where our network of people came back to us to say, we have daughters, we need this. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what we're going through at home. So little by little, we knew for sure that we wanted to teach girls how to sharpen their self-awareness, how to be self-confident and how to have that self-worth, that self-esteem to honestly tackle any struggle or problem. So honestly, we've been building this business based off of people's feedback, what's needed? How do we come in and use what we've what we've tried on ourselves, but make it make sense for a younger generation mm-hmm. for them to actually be the better or to be the best version of themselves? So girls mentorship really is a culmination of who we once were. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we're like, we needed, who did we mm-hmm. need at that age? And how do we step up to be that for the next generation of female leaders? It's so awesome. And so needed. Um, a couple questions come to mind. One is how on earth do you connect to teenage girls? Uh, we are <laughs> teenage <laughs> girls. That's how we get that we, question. We do. Well, and you know, our energy levels, yes. right? I think that helps. Mm-hmm. We're also we also just don't beat around the bush. Mm-hmm. We don't treat them like they're any different than we're treating you. Mm-hmm. So if you can have a normal conversation with a teenager, they can see right through bullshit. Mm-hmm. They really can. They have a meter that's like mm-hmm. you're lying. Get out of my face. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Mm-hmm. We we don't do that. We treat them as normal human beings because at the end of the day they are. You know, we ask our kids for 18 years to raise their hand to go to the bathroom. And as soon as they turn 18 mm-hmm. in one day, it's like, okay, go manage your finances. Mm-hmm. Good luck getting an apartment. <laughs> Good luck right? with your taxes. Yep. How, exactly. how do we treat a relationship with somebody who only has 18 years to mm-hmm. live and grow as mm-hmm. if they're already an adult so we can set them up for the most success possible? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've had a couple of difficult teenagers, tweens. Yes, there is an age where I think every teen does the massive eye roll regardless of who you are and what you say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's okay. We don't take that personally because we know what we're saying is still getting ingrained in their Mm -hmm. brain in some way, shape or form. And it's going to pop up for them five years down the road, six Mm -hmm. years down the road to be like, yo, I was going to these workshops with these two crazy ladies (laughs) called Mary and Jill. And they said something about this. Mm -hmm. I have a tool for that. Yeah. Regardless of if they know that they were showing up in that way or not, we Mm -hmm. planted a seed. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you guys seeing in the last like year or so? Because I keep reading all these studies and hearing all the things about how the pandemic has, has impacted our teenagers. Probably, I don't know if it's the most, but significantly. It is significant. So what are you seeing with the girls? Like what are you seeing some commonalities or have you made some observations? Yeah. 
I was going to say first, what comes to mind for me that I want to share is their social skills. They um, have no idea how to really develop and cultivate peer relationships mm. that are meaningful. So a lot of their time is spent on a phone. And then when they try to hang out in person, they're like, Ugh, they don't have I the don't. tools to connect. I have no idea how to actually be her friend. Wow. I'm way more of a friend online than I am in person. Yeah. Or a lot of the girls, I mean, we meet girls who have had incredible friendships from elementary school and they've really grown up, mm-hmm. but not a lot of girls are blessed in in the friendship department. Girls are seeking friendship all the time, but they just have no skills to do that. Mm. So social skills, peer relationships, connection, like social cues, social that, cues, absolutely, well, yeah. um, um, is, a, is a big one. I would say as much as things change, things do stay the same. So there's a a lack of overall confidence. That's our number one buzzword Mm -hmm. that parents reach out to us for. Mm -hmm. She's just not confident. She can't go up to the barista at Starbucks and order her own drink. Mm -hmm. How do we get her to be more aware of her self-esteem levels? And, you know, it all feeds into the positive body image, the negative self-talk, like all of that at the end of the day, builds confidence. And that is really what there is a humongous lack around. I definitely think technology has expedited that Mm -hmm. 10 trillion light years. But I can remember being the non-confident girl back Mm -hmm. in the day, right? So Mm -hmm. it's it's a similar struggle to what all of us went through. And you just said, do we work with (laughs) 38-year-olds? What a lot of us still struggle with. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot in the social skills department. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot in the being able to express themselves. They mm-hmm. shut down really easily with parents. It's crazy. I mean, there's a new study now that we have two years worth of data to go off of. One in four kids now have an anxiety condition mm-hmm. and one in five have a depressive condition. Wow. Those numbers have gone up hugely in the last, I would say, at least 10 to 12 years. And a lot of that has to do with social media, but the pandemic was just, you know, the cherry on top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for parents that are listening, like what are, so we talked about the confidence signs, but like what are some things that parents could be looking out for that's like, oh, wow, my kid really does need that extra support. Um, Because I know, so my kids are still young, young, they're seven, five, and three. And I have a little bit of a different situation because my kids work on social skills all the time because they, they're on the autism spectrum, which I'm actually thinking might benefit them more because they are like learning, yeah. like teaching them like, this is how you make a friend. Right. This is how you do right. it. Like, this is how you pick up on cues. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe the therapists just need to expand their, their, <laughs> yes. their, their people. But, but I think, oh, I'm sending my kids to school. They're going to get socialization, right? They're with other kids all day. So check that box. We're right. good. So what? are some things that parents should start to look for that then they're like, oh, sign me up, come to your... Honestly, the, uh, my, my biggest advice for parents is you are a coach to your kid. There, there's moments, like there's coachable moments all the time. And again, I'm a parent. I am not a perfect parent. And I am not going to sit here and bash any parent for what they're doing. I know we are all doing our best, but there are moments where you can jump in and have a coachable moment around that behavior or around talking through that issue. For example, I was at my son's baseball game yesterday and my son's little friend runs over to me and was like, hey, um, 
hey, this is my little one. Hayes ate dirt and he's crying. And I run over there and I'm like, here's some water. And I could have just been like, all right, cool. Bye. But I was like, what happened? And there was another kid who was like, well, I told him that there was a donut on the ground and I made him eat it. And as opposed to me like laying into this kid being like, listen, as much as I wanted to, Mm -hmm. right? Mama bear wanted to come out. She makes him eat. I know. I was like, (laughs) sit down and eat that donut. But I was like, this is a moment for me, even though he's not my son. Mm -hmm. This is a moment for me as a community leader to let him know, hey, you're not in trouble. And like just asking him questions so that next time when he wants to do something unkind to a friend, Mm -hmm. that he might like think about it a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Because right off the bat, he was lying to me. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He found that on the ground. Like he was on the defense and I'm mm-hmm. like, he learned that from somewhere. Yeah. So how are we as adults approaching our children of like making them feel wrong when it's mm-hmm. like, we are here because we want you to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's where kids start lying and, and all of that. So as much as like, you have to check yourself at, as, as parents, do I, overreact. Absolutely. But then I can always go back and correct my behavior so that I'm role modeling it for my kids. That's so important. There's so many things and lessons in there. And I love that story and I'm filing it in my own brain for my parenting. Um, But it makes me think of a story that just happened. And I think I was channeling a little bit of you, Jill, when it happened because my, so my son is seven on the autism spectrum, but he's very social. Like we've been in, in therapy for three years. And so he craves the social. So we just recently started letting him go out in the neighborhood and my neighborhood, I think it's one, a rare, I don't know if it's rare, but it seems rare that like all the kids are like free roam and they play in the neighborhood all like all day. Like, oh, like, like how Sam we Lott, used to be. Sandlot style. Yeah. Like, and then they come home at like dinner time. Oh. Um, what a dream. And we're all on these texts. All of the parents are on these text messages. Like our, our kids are your house, their yeah. house, whatever. So it works out great. It's all fine until something goes wrong, right? Right. And so my son came. I was working in my office. My son comes up, big tears, bawling, crying, hysterics. The neighborhood, two of the boys called him names, and it really, really upset him. And so my mama bear was like, I'm going to go march over there. I'm going to tell them what <laughs> I think they are. I'm like, well, you are, you call my son stupid. You're stupid. And I'm like, how old am I right I now? I know. I know. But also I was like, I'm going to text the parents. And be like, you need to tell your kids. not." And then right. so all the stuff. And my husband, I'm like marching downstairs. And my husband's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are you going? Take a breath. And I'm like, Jack is upset. All the things. And he's like, let's just take a breath. Let's just stand back. Let's see what happens. And so he's like, let's talk to Jack. So I'm like, okay, so when somebody says something, what can you say? So we kind of coached him through it. And he's like, I still want to play. I'm like, all right, go back outside. Come home if there's a problem. He came back home crying again. Coached him again. Went back out because he just kept. (laughs) I'm like, why do you want to play? I'm like, why do you want to play with these mean boys? Like, just stay inside. He's like, no, mom, I want to go. Okay. Then he comes back with a letter. Like, they wrote all the boys, they put it on like the different houses. Um, Nerf gun war at three o'clock be, be at the park. And I'm like, oh my, no, we yes. are not. First of all, I, <laughs> my personal, I really have an issue with Nerf guns, but I, it's unavoidable with boys. So here we are. Okay. So he's like, mom, I'm going to grab all my Nerf guns. I'm going to go to this park. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a good idea. So my husband's like, you need to just let him go and see what happens. I'm like, I'm going to hide and just watch because I'm if something, this, I'm going to be hiding blinders. Because if something bad happens, because these kids You're are a little bit older, bazooka. I'm gonna, yeah, baby. I'm yeah. going to, the mother of I'm going to, water balloons and dump. I don't know. Yes. Okay. So we go to the park and I'm like kind of watching. 
these boys, they line up, they assign teams, and they were like mixed groups. So some of the boys who are warring are now allies. They're on the same team. They draw a line. They have this nerf epic, and my son calls it epic, epic. Nerf, nerf war for, I don't know, 15 minutes. Then they drop their nerf guns. They pick up all the bullets because that's another big pet peeve. They pick them all up. They give each other hugs. They tell each other they were sorry for calling each other names, and then they're friends again. And so... The lesson for me there is if I were to jump in the middle, like that would have got real messed up and then the parents would have, but it's that coaching piece. And that's where I felt as a parent of like a little bit, I was coaching him through, but I have my own emotions. Like you call, somebody's calling my son stupid. So I guess all I'm saying is this could have a reverse effect of like the girls come back with their skills, which then kind of shows the parents and it's like the reminds us what we do know right oh god we get that feedback all the time really yeah there's some sessions where we'll let parents sit in with us you know just as a fly on the wall or just Mm -hmm. to be able to take the information home with them um i think the youngest girls we've had individual coaching sessions with were 10 10 year old Mm -hmm. twins so we Mm -hmm. thought at best for the mom to sit in so we could have that sharing of information they Mm -hmm. were kind of at an age where they weren't too fearful of sharing Mm -hmm. that mom was there and she just, I mean, there were so many times where she looked at us through sessions and she was like, man, I don't even practice this for myself, mm-hmm. right? So when you say, is it okay for a 38-year-old to come? <laughs> yes. I mean, all of the lessons that we're teaching are not just for girls, teens and tweens. Yeah. Yes, we work with girls who are, I mean, 8 to 18, mm-hmm. but it's it's so applicable to every age range because it's a basic human beingness, yeah. right? Well, and the goal, honestly— I'll, as much as I'm sitting here being like, all right, parents, coach approach with your kids. Sometimes parents don't even have the awareness. Right? They don't even see it. Mm-hmm. So I think like some of the like the hardest conversations that we have to have with parents is like holding up that mirror mm-hmm. where they're like, fix my daughter. And like we're, we're like, um, you are the one that needs <laughs> to be fixed. I know. So that's oh. That is a question. Like, we, there's yeah. so much self-work that needs to happen, yeah. right? Because as, like, as a parent, at least my experience is, like, every insecurity, doubt comes out and is magnified as, you're, you know, when you have children. So, like, how do you have that conversation with a parent who potentially may lack the self-awareness that there's some work to do? It's just open, honest conversation. I mean, we deliver it in the most loving way, of course, but we know if that girl is going to stand the chance of being her brightest self and growing up without those expectations, without those projections, Mm -hmm. that mom and dad have to know that they're part of the problem. So it's like we get girls who have negative self-talk to boot and they're like, I mean, she's got great friends great positive environment. You know, she's got so many outlets. I just don't understand what's wrong. Well, come to find out mom has the most negative Mm self-talk, the worst mindset. And it's like constantly is picking at her body. Mm -hmm. Where does she get it from? Mm -hmm. I don't know. School, the internet. It's like she spends the most time with you. And I know you don't want to hear us say this, but it's out of love. You need to work on your self-talk. You need to work on your positive body image. You need to work on what's coming out of your mouth because monkey see, monkey do. Mm-hmm. It's not monkey see, <laughs> monkey say, monkey do. You could tell her all day long mm-hmm. and she's not going to pick up on that because you're saying something completely opposite. Mm-hmm. So 
If your words don't match your actions as a parent, your child's going to think you're a liar. Not outrightly. They're not going to be like, mom and dad's a big fat liar. (laughs) Subconsciously, that is what they're going to garner from you, you know? So it's like, check yourself. What was it? The prophet ice cube? He said, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It was definitely a prophet. Definitely. So yes, that is difficult because we're in this world of personal growth and development. So we think everyone is involved in it. And the fact of the matter is that's just not mm-hmm. true. It's 10% of people realistically mm-hmm. that have the wherewithal and the awareness to invest in themselves, mm-hmm. to put themselves at the top of that list to say, I'm the most important. And when my cup is full, everybody gets what's coming mm-hmm. out of that cup. So yeah. I think it's just a constant reminder of it's okay to, you know, cut out of work a half an hour early to read that personal growth and development book. It's okay to, to spend the, the money mm-hmm. on a Tony Robbins conference. It's mm-hmm. okay to go to the gym for self-care. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be that reminder that it's it's absolutely okay. And I know a lot of people listening might be like, well, sounds nice. <laughs> okay. Yep. That goes back to the personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. I've made the time for it because it's important to me. You will find time for it if it's important to you. Mm-hmm. But if you keep shoving it on that back burner, your kids will be a product of that back burner. My gosh, so much knowledge. Um, I feel like you're a prophet yourself. Uh, but you just made me I think, think she is a saint. Yeah. Oh, Catholic <laughs> religion. My name is Mary sister. Francis. Oh, you put a sister in front of it. <laughs> Um, you made me think of something that I always use with the switch of like when people say, I don't have time for that, switch it to, I'm sure you guys already know this. Um, it's not a priority for me right now and see how that feels. That's just not important to me right now. Myself is not important to me right now. Oh, and then you see, you hear yourself saying like, like, Oh, that's I am important. But you guys just made me realize something that I've, um, haven't thought of before. And I've been in therapy for a long, long 20 years. So my mom would tell me nonstop, you are beautiful. You are the most beautiful girl in the world, like constantly. Like you are so beautiful. You could all all the time. I never believed her, not once. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting angry and I started feeling like she was lying to me and I couldn't trust her. And I've never made the connection, but because I had no real reason to not believe that statement. But the connection was, it was always, she was unhappy with herself, right? So she's she needed to lose weight. She needed to get in better shape. She needed to do the things. And I've never made that connection, but that's why it felt not true for me. Because she's in like, my eyes, she was the most beautiful woman oh in the world, gosh, right? Because she's your mother. So I have a little daughter who's three. And I literally, this is great awareness for me. Thanks for the therapy session. But I'm literally in the mirror, like, you know, fixing all the things, doing all the stuff. And then I turn to her and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so cute. And just the way you are, you're beautiful. Right. You're like, but I'm God, like, this pimple on my face. face. Mm-hmm. So that it is, I always think, and it's interesting. I think about it. I'm conscious of it when I say something around my daughter, but I need to be much more conscious around my boys, right? Because it's oh. not just a girl. It's not. Issue. And that's not. A, people make a big misgeneralization yeah. with that. Well, it's and like then girls we struggle. The boys. We do. Right. Girls we're struggle like, oh, with body fine. image. Girls struggle with mm-hmm. negative self-talk. Girls struggle with bullying and backstabbing and cattiness. No, nope. the numbers, the statistics are very clear. It's about a 50-50 cut. I was going to say, it is but equal. what we've done as a society is say, you know, toughen up. Mm-hmm. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Boys don't cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, they don't. They absolutely do. They have feelings just the same as girls absolutely. do. And because we overlook that, because that's the narrative that we've told them through movies and music and parenting, mm-hmm. they don't want to show that. No. Because it makes them weak, right? right? They are ashamed and embarrassed of their feelings. So mm-hmm. they hide it. And then, you know, 
things come out, they manifest themselves. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. It's such a great realization. So before we run out of time, because we have about 15 minutes left, I want to get to the big thing that you guys have been working on. I um, have been following your summer camp this oh. summer. And I, I laugh. Are you coming? <laughs> <I'm>, yes. <laughs> From the ages of 10 to 14 to 38. <laughs> Just me. I'll just be the awkward lady in the background. And I was laughing because my business partner and I are doing a retreat for adults. And I could so relate to the reel that you guys did of you laying on the floor of like, this is so much work. Um, But I want to hear all about it. Here are the details. Tell us what's happening. Okay. So um, last year really was where Mary and I saw an opportunity. We were like, let's throw a summer camp. This was March of last year. We're like, and it's going to happen in June and July. (laughs) And then we quickly realized like a camp takes a lot of work. Mm -hmm. There's strategy involved in pricing. And I mean, the locate all of it. So we knew, okay, it's not going to happen in 2021, Mm -hmm. but how do we plan for it this next year? So we've been talking about it since November, really. It was like, okay, how do we, how do we plan the plan? And then how do we work the plan? Mm -hmm. So we've been planning and strategizing. And we knew the end of March, early April, we're going to put this baby out to the world. And honestly, it's a culmination. We do monthly workshops and we see these girls just, their their eyes light up when they're around us and they constantly tell us, wait, we have to leave now? Like always. We love this more than school. And can we have a sleepover? I mean, (laughs) they want more of us. So we were like, okay, how do we actually curate something that serves longer than a two-hour workshop, but isn't a massive commitment? So what we created was this, we want to call it um, our summer camp, like summer series. (laughs) Uh, pursuing more. So we want girls not to sit around this summer and be like, "Eh, okay, we're going to just like watch the time pass us by. But how are you cultivating more for your life? Is it more friendships, more confidence, more healthy habits? So then we got like really inspired. We're like, whoa, that sounds cool. We want to show up to this ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then the creating the, the strategy of it, we're like, let's just do something that's Right now, I mean, let's not bite off more than we can chew here. So a two-day camp, we're going to run it all of June and then the ba- or the last two weeks of July. So we're doing a six-week summer camp series. It's going to be on a Wednesday and a Thursday every single week mm-hmm. from 9 to 1. We're like, we can do that. Yeah. And we want it, we, like, in order for parents to be like, yes, this is what we want our daughters to be a part of because it's six weeks long, how like we wanted it to be really clear in our messaging that every week we're going to be focusing on something different. But every time your daughter comes, she's going to walk away at least with four different skills. So we want to make sure that in all six of our camps that girls walk away with leadership skills. We also want them to walk away with healthy habits or like Mm self-honoring So how are we incorporating mindfulness or presence or teaching them something that will help them then Mm -hmm. go practice that in their life? The third thing is that peer and social relationship. How are we making sure that in this camp, girls are working together, that we're not like force 
forcing anything mm-hmm. on them, but we're like, hey, you guys need to be friends here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the last piece is is really kind of cultivating and being in community. So we're mm-hmm. bringing in women from our network to come in and pour into these girls, which mm-hmm. is going to be so incredibly cool. And this is my favorite part because it's like a glimpse in the future for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can relate to us, which is great. Um, I think we have really morphed into the same person, including the way we look. <laughs> and the way we look is important to us because we want girls to see other versions mm-hmm. of potential us's, right? So we have this incredible network of women that we're calling on to come in and speak life into these girls. So these women could be, you know, uh, a brand new mom of a newborn baby who owns um, a design business, uh, a singer, a, you know, there's, there's so many women in our network that want to come in and help and facilitate growth and a learning environment for these girls to look at and say, holy moly, like I don't have to take the traditional route. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't have to go to college and I can take this route instead. Mm-hmm. Like this is available to me mm-hmm. because I don't think I knew that. No. I think it was literally preschool, elementary, middle school, high school, college, blue door, golden retriever, two and a half mm-hmm. kids, according to the yeah. census, right? <laughs> yep. It's not that. Mm-hmm. It's not cut and dry anymore. We have all of these opportunities to go out and change the world, especially now with technology at our fingertips. And it's going to be so fun to bring other examples of really strong, amazing women into this room Mm -hmm. for these girls to find themselves in. Because maybe they don't relate to Jill and I on that level, but they see a speaker we bring in and that speaker looks like her Mm -hmm. or speaks to her soul in a way that says, whoa, I didn't know I was passionate about that, but that makes sense now. And I want to go home and hone in on that. I want to follow that nudge Mm -hmm. and see where it takes me. Well, and I think a lot of times as parents, again, no knock on parents, but like truly your children's gifts are right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So as much as we're like, you know, my kid loves Legos and oh my, if I buy another Lego set, I'm going to lose it. But I'm like, how do I really, how do I make sure that it's fostered. It's fostered mm-hmm. because he could be an engineer. He could be mm-hmm. an architect. Watching his little brain work that way is incredible. And we get a lot, especially with girls, they love jewelry making. They love baking. They love, and yeah, is it messy and is it annoying? And is, but you have no idea. You have no to. idea what mm-hmm. it leads to. And how do we make sure that all of those channels are open so we so so we get to guide. We're almost like we're guiding our daughters and allowing her to figure it out versus us stopping them because, because it makes it's a mess. A, well, because it's also <laughs> a projection, it's right? Yeah. So you know, maybe my mom wanted me to go to college because she didn't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to go to college. Yes. Maybe I don't want that. Mm -hmm. So it's the projection of, well, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. Where's that coming from Mm -hmm. that we're going back to the check yourself before you wreck yourself? Because literally, what if your girl doesn't want to do that and she spends the next four or five years just hating the school she's at and she's Mm -hmm. got this animosity towards what she's studying? And I mean, there's such a snowball effect that can come from that. And we're not saying not go to school. We're not. We're big proponents for school, but we're also big proponents for being able to make the decision based on what lights you up, what's calling, what's tugging. Absolutely. And I see so many people loaded with mounds and mounds of student debt for a a career that they like a degree (laughs) that they never wanted to be in. And so giving that, that opportunity, um, is really important. So 
Thanks, Sarah. We're almost out of time. Um, so I have two questions quickly um, before we wrap up. The first question is, what is the best piece of leadership advice or tool you've ever received or used personally? And then the second one is much easier is how can we reach you? How can we get in contact? And also, are there spots available in your camp still? Um, I think I alluded to this earlier. This one has really been transformational for me um, is that personal responsibility piece. Mm -hmm. Um, I heard it and it was like a shot, shot through the heart. Thank Mm you. (laughs) Take personal responsibility in every situation you're in because it can be so easy to shed it and blame and point fingers. And when you can learn to take personal responsibility, you understand how much power you have. Mm -hmm. You understand how much power you have over yourself and what happens in your future, but you also understand how much power you have to lead a group. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I love that. Personal responsibility is a big one for me. I'm going to go different a different route by saying understanding facts versus stories. Mm. When I got really clear on, sometimes I would tell myself stories and I believed them to be truth. And that's when I got, oof, man, that was a lot of undoing. Mm. So really being able to look at situations, black and white, and taking subjective it for face value. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times... We see that with our children. Girls mm-hmm. are so in their head about things. And when we can start to really help them know the difference between, hey, are you telling yourself a story or is this actually true? Mm-hmm. That's when they're like, whoa, okay, cool. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my my biggest leadership advice. Um, as far as where to find us, yes. we are big on Instagram um, as well as our website. So same name. It's at Girls Mentorship. And it's spelled normally. There's mm-hmm. there's no Ys. There's no Zs. It's G-I-R-L-S-M-E-N-T-O-R-S-H-I-P dot com or on Instagram the same, right? And yes, we just launched summer camp earlier this week. So we do have spots to fill. We have six different sessions to choose from. Go to our website, check out the language, what speaks to you, where you think your daughter needs to grow and sign her up. It's yes. such a low barrier of entry. It's such a low commitment and the value is going to be immense. So our goal is to have at least 300 girls go through this camp. Wow. So our request to the listeners is help us get those booties in the chairs. Because it only benefits us as a society to have these girls understand these skills because these girls are going to grow up and be employees and Mm -hmm. in relationships and leaders of this country. We want them to understand self, have confidence, have leadership skills, understand how to communicate. It benefits everyone. Absolutely. And so remind me of the ages, 8 to 14. Is that what you said? Um, We're saying 10 to 13, but that's recommended. If you have an 8 or a 9-year-old at home and you feel like she will be just fine in two days of communication with us, send her. Send her. And same on the other end. If you have a 14 or 15-year-old at home and you feel like this would benefit them, send them. Bring them to camp. Let them be in the room with us because they will walk away with valuable skills. Absolutely. And do yourself a favor and really, um, oh, are there volunteers needed? Is that the question? Oh, do you need any volunteers? We do do. need volunteers and we are (laughs) going to put out a call for that here in the next couple weeks. Um, You know, that reel you saw of us laying on the ground, there was a lot going on there, but we still have (laughs) a lot more to do. So we will be looking for volunteers. We will be be looking for sponsorship. So companies that want to come in and do a little bit more of a philanthropical 
piece in this and sponsor girls to come in or help us with a monetary donation to make Mm -hmm. this really happen. Yes. Yes to all the things. We are (laughs) not meant to do this alone. We don't want to do this alone. And we want girls to see that if you have something on your heart to put out there, that other people will come alongside you and support that mission to make it happen. Absolutely. And everyone who's listening, do yourself a favor, really follow them on Instagram because not only are you guys incredibly entertaining, you guys are, you provide so much knowledge and just help me again. I'm preparing for teenage. I see it in my seven-year-old already, but just so many skills and just everything that you bring, you bring with so much heart and passion and it really comes through. So make sure to connect with Jill and Mary. And thank you guys both for being on the show. This This is so fun. Thank you. You have been listening to the Messy Middle Podcast and Radio Show, presented by Mother and Founder Co. We hope you have found a few pieces of wisdom to help you navigate your own messy middle. Be sure to subscribe to The Messy Middle on your favorite podcast platform and follow Jen Burwell and Mother and Founder Co. on Instagram. Remember, beginnings are usually scary and endings can sometimes be sad, but it's the middle that counts the most. Until next time, stay curious, kind, and messy.